Today's video is brought to you by Stamps.com. Hey brother! Guys, let's talk about houses for a second. We've got four of them. Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. Each represents the ideals of the founder they were named after. Gryffindor for bravery, Ravenclaw for wit, Hufflepuff for loyalty, and Slytherin for ambition. Which is of course a massive oversimplification and each house may embody different characteristics, some of which may come from other houses, but ultimately people are sorted in the houses that they are sorted into based on what they value most. Neville is a great example of this. In many ways, he really fits the mold for a Hufflepuff, and he even asked the hat to put him there. But what Neville valued most as a young boy was the one trait he was afraid he didn't have bravery, which is why he ends up in Gryffindor and why time and time again from him, we see him represent one of the key tenets of bravery, which is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to stand up to those fears. I'll fight you. And while that fight might not go so well, in the end, it all works out. He's basically the poster child after Gryffindor. He even pulls the sword out of the hat and slices off Nagini's head. The Golden Trio, on the other hand, also go on to represent the other three houses in a very similar capacity. Harry, in many ways, does represent Slytherin House. I mean, again, the sorting hat almost placed him there. And while Harry is undeniably brave, I mean, he stands up to Voldemort like every June, he certainly also has some cunning and ambition to help him along the way. Hermione, of course, is another student who was also almost placed in another house. Ravenclaw. She is easily the smartest student in their year and even surprises a lot of the Ravenclaws that she wasn't put in their house. You can do a protein charm? Yes, but that's an N.E.W.T. standard, that is. Oh, well, yes, I suppose it is. How come you're not in Ravenclaw? with brains like yours? And then we have Ron, who surely does have his moments where he wavers and strays. Like after Harry is chosen by the Goblet of Fire and he just sort of stops being friends with him for a while, or after they retrieve the locket and he just sort of stops being friends with him for a while. But in the end, Ron always comes back and always has Harry's back. He is an extremely loyal friend and a great fit for Hufflepuff. And I bring all this up because I believe these four in particular mirror very nicely with the Marauders, where again we have four members, all of whom are in Gryffindor, but three of whom seem to represent the other houses as well. And when it came down to it, the thing that really blew my mind about this was how perfect in particular Sirius was for Hufflepuff. Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Stamps.com. Well, as ever, guys, it is time for spring cleaning, meaning it's time for things to get donated, thrown out, or sold. And that last one is where Stamps.com really shines. Listen, things for sale online can be a great way to collect a little bit of extra cash, but shipping can be such a headache. It is always hard to know the most cost-effective methods, but Stamps.com makes it easy. You can send letters, or in my case, the trading cards, or packages, or in my case, packages of trading cards and pay less, a lot less with discounted rates at USPS, UPS, and more. With stamps.com, you get up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. They'll bring the post office and UPS right to your computer, making everything simple and easy. So if you have an Etsy shop or a side hustler like me, you're just trying to get everything out of your house so you can see the floor again. I mean, 
sure it's down there somewhere. Stamps.com is a great option. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. It is risk-free and with our promo code SuperCarlin, you get a special offer with a four-week trial. Plus free postage and the digital scale and no long-term contracts required. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in promo code SuperCarlin. Again, that is stamps.com, promo code SuperCarlin. Never go to the post office again, stamps.com. Okay, so as we work through these four, I want to first start with James, who I think most embodies the house they're all actually in, Gryffindor. James is a lot of things and in no way perfect, but at the end of the day, most of his characteristics can be sourced back to those most important to Gryffindor. He is brave, proud, and determined, and we see this before he even gets to Hogwarts, when he's on the train there. He's honestly a lot like a young Draco Malfoy in this scene, just with the different house. He knows who he is and where he wants to go. It's his family's legacy, and he's proud of it. Where are you heading if you've got the choice? Gryffindor, where dwells the brave at heart, like my dad. You could say this is a legacy very similar to the Weasleys, but it isn't. Here's how Ron fields the same question. What house are your brothers in? Asked Harry. Gryffindor, said Ron. Gloom seemed to be settling on him again. Mom and dad were in it too. I don't know what they'll say if I'm not. Ron and James both definitely belong in Gryffindor, but it's this confidence James has about him on the way to the school that I think clearly marks him as the member of the group that belongs in Gryffindor and most exemplifies Gryffindor. Ooh, guys, exemplifies. Top 10 word. Also, besides just being an excited 11-year-old on a train, he eventually joins the Order of the Phoenix, faces down Voldemort without a wand, and stalls him for just a few moments so that his family has just a, that much longer to get away. Moving on though, next on the list we have Lupin, who I think out of the group best represents Ravenclaw House. I mean, for one, he actually has claws, right? No, but seriously. Well, no, not serious. Lupin. Lupinly? Lupin is calm, rational, and logical. He is not quick to rash decision and has many pensive qualities. A great example is when he's discussing the Boggart lesson with Harry. He explains he was afraid of having Harry face the Boggart because he assumed it would mean Lord Voldemort was about to materialize in the middle of his class. But after the fact, Harry explains that what he was actually afraid of seeing was the Dementors. I see. Well, well, I'm impressed. That suggests what you fear most of all is fear. Very wise, Harry. But even the other marauders notice this about Lupin. I mean, when Harry breaks into Umbridge's office so he can ask Sirius about his dad, this is what Lupin and Sirius say. Of course, he was a bit of an idiot. We were all idiots. Well, not Mooney so much. This is actually one of the many ways I think Hermione and Lupin mirror each other very nicely as the Ravenclaw ambassadors of their respective groups. For example, in King's Cross, Dumbledore tells Harry he was counting on Hermione to slow him down a little bit, to not let Harry's hot head drive his good heart. Why did you have to make it so difficult? Dumbledore's smile was tremulous. I'm afraid I counted on Miss Granger to slow you up, Harry. And Dumbledore quite literally tries the exact same move with Lupin and the Marauders. Sirius says, no one would have made me a prefect. I spent too much time in detention with James. Lupin was the good boy. He got the badge. 
I think Dumbledore might have hoped that I would be able to exercise some control over my best friends, said Lupin. Lupin also proudly points out that he failed at this task, and I love him for that. But honestly, I probably didn't have to sell you that hard on James and Lupin, because they're pretty obvious fits. The other two, though, I think are very easy to misplace. Peter was the watery-eyed little kid that always tagged along with the rest of them and found purpose by just being a part of a bigger group, which makes for a very easy comparison to a young Neville, the bumbling boy who thought he belonged in Hufflepuff. Sirius, on the other hand, hails from one of the longest pure bloodlines ever, all of whom have ended up in Slytherin, and that's even where he's afraid he's gonna end up. But they are of course wrong, and Peter is hands down the obvious candidate for Slytherin. I mean, for one, he's a bad guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, well, he is, but that's not relevant to why he should be in Slytherin. And look, don't get me wrong, I'm in Slytherin and I don't relish this comparison at all. But there can just be no doubt that while Peter does value bravery above everything else, and that's why he does truly belong in Gryffindor, he definitely also has a lot of Slytherin First, ambition. By aligning himself with the other three marauders, he catapults himself way higher up the social pecking order than you have to think he might have otherwise landed. It literally puts him on the map. No pun intended. Just kidding, totally intended. You get it because they make the Marauder's map and his name is other, you get it, I don't know. Next is cunning, something Peter definitely is. For example, while it's not very admirable at all, in a split second, he does manage to overpower Sirius, make up a lie, fake his own death, frame Sirius, and cut off his own finger. What does the Sorting Hat say about Slytherins? Those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. Cut off his finger. And that just leaves resourcefulness. And if you don't think Peter has this, you're kidding yourself. I mean, Peter, a some of the time literal rat who has been living in the woods, manages to flirt with and woo Bertha Jorkins and gleams an incredible amount of information from her, which eventually leads to the return of Lord Voldemort, a plan he is basically responsible for enacting and that I don't feel like Voldemort is giving him nearly enough credit for. I mean, yeah, he gives him the hand, but that ultimately kills him. I always thought it would have been really cool if like all the Death Eaters had like different silver appendages based on like the amount of loyalty they show. Like, can't you just imagine Bellatrix with like silver fangs or something? But moving on, that's really all the praise I can muster for Peter because I just, oh, I, do, I hate this guy. But also, did you know he has a son? Because I wrote a small rap about also, also, actually, actually, the group Peter eventually ends up joining is made up of like 100% Slytherin, which is kind of ironic when you consider that the group he leads is the Order of the Phoenix, which is made up of like almost entirely Gryffindors. You know, like the house he's actually in. Speaking of Gryffindor, though, if we want to keep up our analogy between the Founders and the Marauders, Salazar eventually leaves the group as well, an act that ultimately leads to the creation of Voldemort. Peter is also the one who leaves the group, and oddly in doing so, leads to the creation of Harry as the chosen one. I am the chosen one. Which may lead you to think like, okay, yeah, so the other three fit very nicely with the other houses. Does that mean we're putting Sirius and Hufflepuff just because it's the one that's left over? Absolutely not. Sirius may actually represent Hufflepuff better than the other three represent the other three. Let's start by going back to the moment with James on the Hogwarts Express for their first year. James is again in this moment basically Draco Griffinfoy. That's the... Draco with a J? It kind of sounds the same, which I understand is confusing. The point is he really wants to be in Gryffindor. Who wants to be in Slytherin? I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? My whole family's been in Slytherin. Blimey, 
I thought you seemed all right. <laughs> Maybe I'll break the tradition. I think this exchange is incredibly telling and possibly even changes Sirius's fate because I think it is in this moment where Sirius is starting to pledge his loyalty to the man who will eventually become his best friend. Because loyalty is where Sirius shines his huffly and puffiest colors. It is who he is down to his very core. Ironically, it's a trait that may have been passed down to him from his Slytherin lineage. Because his family does have a lot of loyalty, it's just to a very archaic belief system. Beliefs that Sirius just did not buy into, meaning he had this buildup of fierce loyalty just waiting for a cause to attach it to. And that cause was James, a Gryffindor through and through and an absolute fixture for Sirius. James's family is where Sirius actually felt most at home and he would have done anything for his friends. In fact, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die rather than betray my friends. And I truly believe he would have been proud to do so. In fact, I dare say when he went to the ministry to help Harry, I don't think it was his goal to die, but I don't think for a moment he was afraid to do so because he believed so hard in why he was going. But it goes beyond just loyalty to James. It extends to all of the Marauders. Take, for example, the switching of the Secret Keepers. Sirius suggests they switch from him to Peter, which ultimately ends up being the fatal flaw in the plan, but before that represents extreme fierce loyalty from Sirius to Peter. And you can see it with Lupin too. Like look at the extreme measures he and James went to to help Lupin cope with being a werewolf. An affliction that most people in the wizarding world would have abandoned him for and instead they went above and beyond the call of duty and became animagus. And speaking of which, what is Sirius's animagus form? A dog. The creature known best for loyalty. Man's best but there you go, guys. That is how each of the Marauders actually represents one of the different houses of Hogwarts. If you disagree with any of our sortings, let us know in the towel section down below. But guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see how to actually become an Animagus, you can check out this video right here. But Ben, until next time, I will see you in another life.